Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the third episode of Should I Dump My Therapist? I'm Dr. Adrian Rosenberg, self-proclaimed therapy nerd. And here on this podcast, I will nerd out on therapy. And uh, hopefully you will too. The way this works is listeners send in questions about therapy and I do my best to answer them. I apologize for my delay in getting out this third episode, even though I know I never told you how often I would make episodes. I guess I'm aiming for once a month. Uh, One way you can help me out is to spread the word and send this episode to a few people who might like it. Uh, I also think it'll help if you review it. I think you can do that on Spotify, Uh, just so that I can get a slightly broader listener base. I know there are lots of therapists out there doing weird shit, Um, Everything from regular human mistakes to deeply unethical treatment. And I need more listeners so that I can get more listener questions. Uh, So please, please spread my pod far and wide out into the world. Today's question will allow me to delve into a little bit of theory. Um, If that's not your thing, sorry about that, but it is one of my things. Before we get started, I should say, as always, that this is not a therapy session, and I am not your therapist. Unless, of course, you are actually one of my clients and you're listening to this, um, then I am actually your therapist. But in the context of this podcast, I am not your therapist, and this is not a therapy session. Okay, let's get started. Dear Dr. Rosenberg, I'm trying to decide if I should return to a therapist I was seeing last year. When we ended our sessions, I had told her that I would leave my current high school teaching position, a decision she actively encouraged and seemed proud of me for making. For a variety of carefully considered reasons, I did not actually leave my school, and I am sure I made the right choice for me but I'm anxious for her to discover this if I return as her client. One aspect of my anxiety stems from my concern that she was perhaps too invested in a particular concrete outcome that seems largely influenced by her politics and her own personal experiences. She would refer to work boundaries she had set for herself by leaving past therapy jobs in high-stress environments, working with high-needs clients. I wondered sometimes if she felt the need to justify her own decisions to herself. As a white upper middle class woman living in a nice neighborhood with little to no direct contact now with less privileged populations. Then I wondered if I was projecting my own internal preoccupations onto her. I am a white woman who grew up upper middle class and have consciously chosen not to work at schools in mostly white affluent communities like the one I was raised in. A part of me judged her for choosing to lead what I perceived as a more insulated life as a result of her work boundaries. It occurred to me to share these thoughts with her, but I never did out of fear of being rude. And then while I feel sure I made the right choice to stay at my school, at least for this year, I guess there could be a tiny part of myself too that wonders if I'm falling into old patterns by staying, and perhaps I am avoiding this conversation with her. 
I was about to totally ditch her for a new therapist for all these reasons, but then I realized I would have to start over with someone new and explain many things about my family and work history all over again, eating up time in my precious eight free sessions that I receive per school year from my employer. What should I do? Do I go back and tell her I didn't do the thing we agreed on? Or do I move on and find a new therapist with a different style? Sincerely, embarrassed to go back. Dear Embarrassed to Go Back, thank you so much for your letter. And um, a little bit selfishly on my part, thank you for this letter that gives me such a perfect opportunity to, to talk about transference and countertransference, which are some of my favorite things to think and talk about in the context of therapy. So before I get to your question exactly, I'm going to talk a little bit about those terms and what they mean. I'm going to start by defining transference. And transference basically is a word that describes all of the feelings that a client has towards their therapist. So the feelings of trust, the warm, fuzzy feelings, um, you know, that kind of stereotype, like I want my therapist to be my mom feelings. Um, including the feelings of, I don't want to be rude to my therapist, including, as you mentioned, embarrassed to go back, the feelings of judgment about the choices that your therapist makes or who your therapist is or what they say. All of these reactions and feelings that you have about your therapist from moment to moment and sort of the overall feeling that you have towards your therapist, those are encompassed in the word transference. And then the word countertransference is that from the other side. That is all of that, but your therapist's feelings towards you. Um, I've talked in the past about how there used to be this idea that clinicians would be sort of cool and detached and like a blank slate, and that that's really an outdated concept. So transference and countertransference, actually in particular, Countertransference is came in with that newer idea that actually therapists are people and they're in the room as well, and that they're also having feelings and experiences of the therapy while the client is having feelings and experiences of them. And the other piece that comes in when you really accept that therapy is this encounter between two full psychologies with everything that that entails is that. Both transference and countertransference include feelings that are truly based on the information you've gotten from that other person. Uh, embarrassed to go back, you got clear information that this therapist used to work in a different context and now works in sort of a more private practice with a, a more privileged client population. So that is like true information that you have gotten from her. And then you have certain feelings about that. So your transference includes those, those feelings about things that are, that you know, and then your transference also includes feelings about your therapist that really have to do with you and your life history. So transference is kind of like when it can be used in therapy 
it's almost like, I don't know, this is the image that's coming to my mind. It's like cracking open the earth and seeing all of the layers. Like I'm picturing the Grand Canyon. Transference, understanding your transference is like this amazing window into the life experiences and in particular the relation the relational experiences that have shaped you so thinking for a moment embarrassed to go back about your transference towards your clinician uh, we can assume that some of it is based on some of these concrete facts that she told you your felt sense of her really what she's bringing to the table and to the room, to the relationship. And we have to assume that part of your transference did come, as you said, from some of your projections onto her of your own history and internal world. And that's how it has to be. Um, you can't see her except through the lens of your life and your experience. So we know that you saw her as someone who was sheltered, privileged, maybe insecure about her own choices. And we know that you don't want to disappoint her. So these feelings are about her and they're also not about her. These feelings are also about you. What is your relationship to people who are sheltered and privileged? What's your relationship to people who make the choice to withdraw from more difficult work for the sake of ease? In their own lives or for the sake of money or or what what it might whatever it is what's your relationship with the part of you that might want to do that you know you're talking about this question about leaving the school that you were at what's what are your feelings towards the part of you that really wanted to leave that wanted some work that was easier um that wanted to withdraw as you've seen your in the way that you see your therapist having done. And what's your relationship to the part of you that um, doesn't want to disappoint this therapist? Or the part of you that doesn't want to reveal to your therapist that you have feelings about the decisions that she has made? Where else in your life do you not want to reveal the feelings you have about the decisions that other people have made? So these are all of the layers in the wall of the canyon that are really worth exploring and that you haven't explored yet with this therapist. So what I would say is this isn't really about whether or not you stay at the school you're at this year or next year or the year after that. This is something a lot more fundamental about sort of like the rocks that make up you. Um, and certainly that will have implications for the choices you make about your work. But I think it's bigger than that and deeper than that. And and from my perspective, that's the real meat of therapy is looking at that stuff. Now, we also know that you have this eight session situation and that I mean, I, I can't get into that right now, but that is a whole other thing. Um, can you really do this kind of work in eight sessions? Uh, I'm not totally sure, maybe a little bit of it. Or is it better to use if you only have eight sessions? Is it really better to use it just to stick to on a concrete level? 
what decision do I want to make in this, in this situation? Right. And, and perhaps your therapist was torn between that, knowing that she only had eight sessions with you. Um, maybe she didn't want to go there with all of this, you know, counter counter transference and transference get into the unconscious. And maybe she wanted to stick with the conscious kind of like a very practical, what we might call a solution oriented therapy. Like we've got a problem to solve. So let's focus on that. So we've also seen that, um, embarrassed to go back, that you have some guesses about your therapist's countertransference towards you. And maybe you're right that she was utilizing therapy with you in some way to justify her own choices. And, um, you know, that's not great. Uh, in so- to some degree, that's inevitable because, again, going back to this idea that therapy is a two-person world your therapist is not going to not be a person. So they are going to have things about themselves that they're unaware of. That is inevitable. Um, But we don't want it to be too much and we don't want it to be the driving force in the therapy. What we want is for a therapist to have a pretty good understanding of their own internal dynamics so that they can have somewhat of a handle on the dynamics that they bring. You know, ideally you'd have a therapist who knows about themselves. Um, Look, I made this decision to step back from sort of more difficult work with less privileged communities. And I have some guilt about that. And I see the way that that shows up when I work with clients who are still really doing the kind of work that I used to do in some way, or who are still um, maybe uh, making trade-offs that I used to be willing to make that I'm no longer willing to make, right? Ideally, she would have some knowledge of that. And maybe she does. And then the other question is, you know, how correct is your assessment? This is your idea about what she's feeling towards you. And is this one of the places where that where you're correct about that based on information you've gotten from her? Or is this one of these places where... Um, it behooves you in some way to assume that that's what she's doing, right? It's really complicated and hard to tease apart. And you you really can't do it by yourself. You can only do it with her. And that's kind of like the exciting thing and the beauty of transference and countertransference and, and how, and that's why it can be so incredibly fruitful is because it really is about this dynamic that can only exist between you and this particular other person because of all of the histories that come sort of trailing behind both of you to this relationship. So, you know, in terms of wondering whether to go back to this therapist, I think there's a lot of things uh, that I can't necessarily answer that I, but that I can ask you to think about, which are, you know, how certain is your assessment of this therapist? Is she meeting her own unacknowledged needs? Is she someone who's not that well aware of herself? Uh, If so, if she's not bringing a lot of self-awareness to the table, you run the risk of being in a therapy where you're serving her in some way rather than both of you serving you. Um, If that's not the case, is she somebody who's who's actually generally aware of her unconscious dynamics and might just need to be shown this aspect of it? Or 
might she need to see this aspect of you that made this assumption about her? And could it be fruitful to talk about it together? Basically, at the end of the day, is she somebody who can dive into this conversation with you in order to, I don't know why I'm having all these like geological metaphors, and I don't even like this one, but sort of extract the resources from the canyon. Um, I really don't like that metaphor. But like, can, can you and her go or like, can you two go like spelunking together into this canyon? Is she the right partner for that? Uh, for that job? Um, and if so, you know, it sounds like you're going to need to be the one who brings this all up, who at least starts this conversation. And can you find the courage in yourself to start this conversation with her? Because I think if you go back to her and uh, kind of cement up this crack in the earth, I wouldn't assume it would be a very impactful or useful therapy. Um, I think the only, the place to go from here is really to go into that crack in the earth. And, and can you, can you do that? Can you make that happen? Or at least um, bring it up to see whether she's willing to go there with you. And then, you know, the other, I'm assuming that you want the kind of therapy that I think is awesome. Um, which is that sort of spelunking, like, let's go look at all the layers of, of my life and my being. Uh, is that the kind of therapy you're looking for? Or do you want someone who can help you think through some of these decisions on a more concrete level? Um, I'll say my bias is that unless you go into that crack in the earth to figure out all of the layers that make up this decision, uh, you're going to come to the same dilemma all over again the next time you're in a different job or the next time, you know, you're going to keep coming to the same type of decision and having the same struggle with it unless you go and figure out all the things that are constructing this dilemma for you um, and try to understand them better. But that's, you know, that's my bias. That's my way of doing therapy. And maybe what you really want is somebody who can just have this conversation with you about the best decision, you know, in, in certain I mean, obviously you made this decision already, but maybe you just want someone who can talk about the concrete facts of your life with you and, and how to go about certain things. And, and that would be totally fair as well. And then I think, you know, you, you already know whether or not she's the right kind of person for that conversation. The other thing that this is bringing to mind, and I, I, again, this would be like a, could be a whole other episode, but is the question of the therapist's uh, let's see, opinion, level of buy-in or level of attachment to the decisions that a client makes. And I think that's something else that's really interesting that came up between you and your therapist was this clear perspective and attachment that your therapist had on a particular outcome for your life. Okay, embarrassed. So let me tell you a little bit about my thoughts about a clinician's attachment to certain outcomes. And I'll do that by talking a little bit about my own feelings about this in treatment. I'll start by saying I want things all the time and very badly for my clients. 
I want them to have certain conversations with their mom. I want them to dump their shitty partner. I want them to leave their house every day or go on more walks or start taking their medication regularly. Um, you know, all, all for the sake of wanting them to feel happier and healthier and more connected and to alleviate their suffering. And at the same time as I want all these things for my clients, I also wholeheartedly buy into the idea that my wanting things for them in some situations uh, is actually a problem, is actually a hindrance to their healing and to their self-discovery. Certainly expressing my wants to them can have some um, issues can cause some challenges as I think you saw in with your therapist expressing my desires or my opinions uh, can in some way rob my clients of being experts on their own lives it can somehow you know how could I presume to actually know better than they do although clients come to therapy all the time wanting to believe or believing that their therapist does know better than they do Um, stating my opinions and desires can encourage my clients to make decisions based on my desires rather than on their own. It can make them not want to share certain information with me because, uh, as you've done, maybe they've made a decision that they knew wasn't the decision I wanted. And, you know, honestly, even if I don't ever say these opinions out loud, sometimes they come through anyway. Sometimes I can't help but communicate them even when I'm trying not to. Um, I want to share this quote by someone named Mark Hyman uh, just because I think it's very biting. I'm not going to say that I always in every situation agree with it, but but I love it. Um, He writes, if individuals are perceived as incapable of so living their lives, then the analyst has to conclude they need a guardian rather than an analyst. If the analyst chooses at that point to function as a guardian, the fact that he or she is an analyst does not make the activity into an analysis. So, you know, what he's pointing out there is that, uh, I think in his opinion, an analysis is this type of therapy that I was talking about before. It's this deep discovering together. And you know, perhaps he's using the term guardian to talk more about, which actually, the you know, these days there are lots of therapies that are just sort of solution oriented or more like what he's calling a, a guardian. But, um, you know, I agree with him to the extent that as soon as you as the clinician take it upon yourself to guide the client, um, you've changed the nature of what you're communicating to some degree. Uh, you've changed the nature of what type of therapy you're doing. And, you know, so, so these are, those are some of the uh, downsides of sharing opinions with your client. And sometimes even having wishes or hopes for your client, even if they are not communicated, can shut down important space as well. There's this very prominent theorist, Wilfred Bion, who says that just wishing or hoping for a particular outcome with your client 
can hinder the therapeutic process. The way that he talks about it, desire supplants the, what he calls faith, necessary to being fully present moment by moment as that which is not yet known becomes known in a treatment. So I hear this in some way as him saying that if you're wishing for a certain outcome, then it presumes that you've already figured something out. And that means that you're not entering the therapy as the clinician truly from a place of not knowing and of discovering that which is not known. And I think in this perspective, therapy is about discovering moment by moment and that you can't find what isn't yet known unless you really enter with the mind frame of not knowing. And, you know, it's challenging as a therapist because clients come to us suffering and sometimes really gravely suffering. So how could we not have desires for them, right? How could we not have the feeling of wanting their suffering to be alleviated? And, you know, I, I often feel this tension in my own mind of, am I meant to be an ex- expert on alleviating suffering? If so, then I have methods and ideas to share. Or am I meant to be an expert on entering a process of discovery in which I, I truly do not know which way to go and I truly cannot lead the process? Uh, but I have some faith that that process itself will lead to a reduction in suffering. Um, but I sort of paradoxically have to not step up to lead it if I, if I believe in that method. And I sometimes feel like uh, these two ways of understanding therapy are mutually exclusive and that it's my job to be both at once. Arnold Goldberg describes this as sort of walking on a tightrope between despair and hope. He writes that we're always situated between these two poles, we meaning clinicians, and that the tightrope is merely what he says a, quote, temporary retreat or a resting place until ambition and or anxiety returns to the scene, end quote. So I see it a little bit like my job is to always be on this tightrope of both wanting things for my clients and truly releasing my own desires for what will happen. So I'm walking on this tightrope, but also there is no tightrope. I don't know if that makes sense. It's, you know, sometimes I feel like it's an impossible task, but the task itself is just trying to, um, you can never actually be on the tightrope, but you can always be trying to be on it. So that said, uh, embarrassed, your therapist is so far in the direction of having the desire for a very specific outcome for you that I think she's lost sight of that kind of middle line, that tightrope altogether. Was that helpful to you? I'm not so sure that it was. Is it sometimes helpful to a client when a clinician blatantly states their opinion Yes, I I think it is, and I think I've seen it be helpful. Um, Have I done that myself? I definitely have. So embarrassed, I don't know if I've answered your question, but hopefully I've helped 
at least chisel away at that crack, kind of widen that crack in the earth so that you can have the opportunity to go down exploring into it, whether with this therapist or the next one. I don't know if it matters who you do it with, but I think there will be a lot to discover there. This has been the third episode of Should I Dump My Therapist? Thank you so much for tuning in. And please uh, write us a review. Um, When I say us, I I mean me. (laughs) Um, Send the podcast out to like five friends, ten friends, as many people in your life as as, uh, like therapy, want to go to therapy, have gone to therapy, or thinking of going to therapy. Um, If you have any therapy-related art, I still really like this idea of, like, posting it at some point um, on the podcast page. Um, Art, poetry, music related to therapy. I'm thinking of Dar Williams' song about her therapist, for example. Please uh, let me know. You can email me at shouldidumpmytherapist at gmail.com. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye.